degrees Celsius with the relative humidity standing at 81%. The news from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Jim Gould and today's guest presenter is Carl Ha. Good morning, Carl. Good morning, Jim. On this morning's programme, we're talking about cyber security and online scams. You may have heard in the news that the overall crime rate has jumped by nearly 50% in the first three months of this year compared with the same period last year, and that was largely driven by a surge in fraud cases. Earlier, the police warned of an increase in shopping scams, revealing that more than 180 local residents had fallen prey, losing a total of $1.3 million in just a week. And many mobile users have reported receiving uh, WhatsApp messages purporting to be from recruitment agencies and promising exciting job packages, among other enticements. So how effective are Hong Kong's defences against cybercrime? Are corporations doing enough to protect their clients? How about uh, hackers' techniques? We'll be hearing from some of the experts. And after 9.45, we'll look into uh, the safety standards of skateboards uh, after a warning from the Consumer Council. Let us know what you think on any of these matters. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk or call us on 233 Joining us now, we have uh, on the line uh, Michael Gaisley, Managing Director of Network Box, and Emil Chan, Chairman of the Association of Cloud and Mobile Computing Professional, Professionals sorry, and EMBA Adjunct Professor at the City University. Uh, good morning to you both. Good morning. Good morning. Um, uh, Michael Gaisley first. Uh, so uh, what do you think uh, about the current state of... Uh, uh, our, our online protection against fraudulent activity. I mean, we've seen this uh, this big jump in the number of cases. Uh, uh, apparently, uh, uh, fraud cases were up uh, like uh, more than fifty percent. Um, what's the what sort of state of affairs are we at at the moment? Well, I mean, it's a pretty sad state of affairs. Um, I mean, at Network Box, I talk to various organisations, uh, government departments. Um, you know, public companies, SMEs, all of it. Mm. And the average response, even when we show them that their cybersecurity is just appalling, is to do nothing. Mm. And I, I, I personally can't understand it. I mean, I've been doing this for a lot of years. Um, it seems amazing to me that organizations knowingly just allow themselves to be completely open to being hacked. And then later on when they are hacked, they're, they're sort of, you know, feigning surprise. Sorry, so what sort of organisations are we talking about again? Government departments, mm. public companies, mm. SMEs, um, you name it. Right across the board? Right across the board. Yeah. So, I mean, why do you suppose that is? I mean, there's a, there's a lot of publicity. I mean, later on we'll be talking uh, to the police uh, from the Commercial Crime Bureau and the Technology Crime Bureau. I mean, um, you know, like I say, the leaflets, uh, radio announcements, all this. So, so you know, why, why, why no, is nobody taking it more seriously? I'm talking about actually having a face-to-face -face meeting with IT management mm -hmm. in major corporations and showing them, you know, line by line, the vulnerabilities, backdoors, problems that they've got, and they just ignore it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Emil Chan, good morning to you. Good morning. What do you think needs to be done then to, uh, to improve the situation? 
Yeah, first of all, I echo what Michael said mm. because I'm helping uh, some associations, uh, quite sizable. Uh, I won't disclose the name, but uh, over the past past few years, uh, you know, as uh, the uh, consultant, uh, I think that uh, those uh, uh, leaders they are they are not aware of uh, the uh, the consequences. Uh, due to these uh, uh, cybersecurity issues, so the, I keep urging them. But uh, I think the, because if there's no incident, they don't feel the pain. Uh, but uh, the, the idiotic thing is that uh, from time to time there are a lot of uh, cases from uh, the other entities. So the, it seems that uh, the organization structure. Uh, not only from those uh, associations, but also uh, all of these uh, corporates, they don't have such a culture or uh, structure to uh, cater these kind of issues. Mm. Mm. Uh, sorry, uh, Carl, did you want government. Yeah. Mm. Hi. Nice to jump in. Yeah. Hi, Michael and Emil. Um, this is Carl. And I'm just wondering because the number of the fraud is actually increasing. Like within these years, it's like so. Actually, where are, the, are they actually getting our data from? Do you, do you, do you like know yeah. where's the source mm. or like because we do a lot of like, for example, online shopping. We subscribe a lot of different uh, websites, so that's why the data will like somehow leak well, from there. this morning. And he, you know, he, he made a really interesting comment, which is he looked at his password manager and saw that he was using his passwords on 520 different sites. So one of the sources, uh, unfortunately, are other organizations or organizations that you deal with where they get hacked. And then oh. once they're hacked, they have your password. And if you make the mistake that roughly one third of everyone does, which is use the same password everywhere, um, once they have one of your passwords, then by default, they have all of your passwords. So <laughs> you may go to a book club or a church or a gym or a yoga studio <laughs> and then find that after you've done that and they've been hacked, um, the, the password for your bank and, you know, for everything else that's important, um, you know, the, the bad guys have those too. Currently on the dark web, where, you know, the sort of nefarious part of the internet, um, you can see that, you know, we've got 8 billion people on this planet, but there's 12 and a half billion posted confidential accounts. So, you know, we've, we've got more posted um, confidential information than there are humans on the planet. Mm. Yeah, extraordinary. Um, Emil Chan, I mean, it seems like pretty obvious advice. Uh, don't use the same password all the time. But, uh, um, you know, uh, what do we, I mean, how do we enforce that message? Well, technically, uh, as a trend, we are stop using passwords. You know, we have to move away from using passwords. Mm. Uh, you know, one idiotic thing is that uh, uh, up till now, uh, we are still using the ATM card with uh, a six-digit pin, you know, to uh, get our cash out of the 7-Eleven. Mm. So it is a, uh, you know, to me, uh, very insecure. You know, that's the card you use to withdraw money uh, from the ATM machine. So, the, but, uh, you know, there are CCTV over the place uh, that, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, we have to 
um, move away from using only passwords. So that you you know the term called uh, two-factor authentication yeah. or multi-factor authentication. You know, mm-hmm. together with uh, your fingerprint, your facial, uh, you know, rec- uh, using facial recognition and the other uh, factor to replace password. And the the, the number lately increased, uh, you know, uh, uh, due to uh, cyber security, mainly because uh, there are the scam uh, through these uh, social media. And because moving money today is, uh, is quite easy. And, uh, you know, they are using uh, a technique called social engineering. So they are not attacking the machine uh, or the system. They're attacking the individuals, uh, fooling them, you know, by uh, uh, using another technique called phishing. Tell them that, you know, this free uh, coupon or, or whatever, you know, uh, there's a new job, you know, you can apply and fool you uh, to provide them uh, the sensitive information. You know, your your, na- uh, your name, your uh, uh, birthday, or so on. So this is uh, the most uh, important one today, because once, uh, as Michael said, once they got the information, you know, they can use this uh, information to penetrate into many systems that you are currently using. Mm. So actually, like, for example, Face ID, this kind of like biological uh, organization is like, is like better, right? Uh, to me, it's better than just the, the, the six uh, digits. Uh, okay. So actually, I actually, I think like, because recently, actually me, I got a lot of different like, scam message um, to me, like, uh, for example, through iMessage or WhatsApp, they have a lot of like scam message or actually they are asking me to be a like part time or like doing some data entry stuff. So actually, how do you recommend we can deal with this kind of message is like we really talk with them and then get get to know what they are like really want or like we just like ignore it. Report it, report it, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know all strangers message, report it, report and, it. And them. Mm-hmm. But report it like just through the WhatsApp app because there is a button for like report this number or really yeah. like yeah. write it, yeah. write it down the number and then like put it on the forum. And actually this is another question I want to ask. Is it like there is any forum or like a discussion place for us to put the number on it and then to notify different netizens to don't fall into this kind of scam? Not that easy. Mm. To me, yeah, I just, uh, you know, because we are not familiar with those uh, uh, techniques. Yeah. So if there's a stranger, the first thing you have to do, uh, and, and they, they, are, they have uh, some uh, common similarity, you know, mm. asking you, you know, for uh, sensitive information, for why can you some uh, advantages. So the, just avoid those methods, particularly if they are stranger. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's nothing to lose, technically. <laughs> uh, but uh, in deep in our mind, you know, because uh, it is not that easy to uh, to not to receive some yeah. uh, advantages. Mm-hmm. That's the the problem. You know, uh, those uh, are the scammers are playing. Mm-hmm. Um, they are playing. Yeah, uh, Michael Gaisley, uh, so just a report and block, yeah? Yeah, I think if you're getting a strange text message, mm. just report and block makes the most sense. I mean, mm. mainly because if you get involved and report it to the police and so on, I mean, what, what are they really going to do? And how many hours of your day are you going to take up doing that? 
Um, I, I think on, on more important things where you're getting a message from supposedly a friend, family member, that something bad's happened, they need money, mm, that yeah. kind of thing. I think it's worth remembering to break the loop. And what I mean by that is don't get sucked into the sort of information loop from the hacker. Um, actually call your friend on a, on a number that you know is their number. Um, you know, if, if it's a company contacting you, then look up the company online and call up that company directly. You know, don't, don't trust the numbers that you're given because if you end up sort of ping-ponging between two or three numbers um, that you were given on that, on that SMS or on that WhatsApp text message, um, you're just going between various members of the hacking team. And this kind of activity, not only between uh, friends now, you know, they are penetrating uh, into your colleagues' uh, phone, and then they will fool you, uh, you know, uh, to remit money uh, to your customer, you know, and they are uh, pretending uh, as your boss, you know, or your colleagues. So they're getting serious now. Okay, we mentioned uh, briefly just now uh, biosecurity, face recognition, that kind of thing. Um, um, how, how secure is that, given that uh, you know, technology, AI is developing all the time? Um, um, yeah, that's a very yeah. good question, because um, famously, the U.S. government have a database uh, where they, they put sort of everyone from the government on the database, including their fingerprint scans and so on, and their iris scans, you know. And that database got stolen. So, mm -hmm. ironically, they created a database to try and be biometrically safer, mm -hmm. and it ended up that uh, that database went went off to the hackers, and they had the fingerprints and eye scans and so on of, of you know all the government agents in in the U.S. Mm. So that any bad actor could just then create an identity. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And you can't. You can change your password. You can't change your fingerprint. Mm. You cannot change the fingerprint. So, so that's why you know the fingerprint usually store on the the device, uh, literally your phone, but not uh, centrally store uh, somewhere. Uh, and uh, and usually uh, don't just use only one factor. You know, like password. You know, to identify uh, to to authenticate uh, for authentication. So usually, uh, like uh, the previous uh, incident, like uh, uh, the HSBC credit card and the standard charter bank credit card scam, you know, the, 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 the customer uh, the being charged uh, many times in the short period of time, and then they find that uh, because uh, the amount is small, uh, the bank uh, saved the cost perhaps, you know, not to uh, ask for the SMS or the other identity from the customer or the, or the credential from the customer. Mm. So the HKMA changed the regulation uh, and then they're asking all the banks to do at least uh, inform the customer uh, via SMS or other uh, other means. So, so that's the issue we are facing. And then the, uh, I think uh, to me, most importantly, uh, is to educate the end user uh, let them to understand, you know, the importance of these uh, incidents, uh, rather than just uh, asking the IT department or uh, mm. responsible party, you know, to to close the loophole. Mm. Actually, uh, actually, I think like because I am using the uh, Hansan Bank 
mobile app as well, and they have a good like uh, two-step recognition as well. So I I really appreciate that. And also, uh, education is very important. I agree with that. Just like because I think now the scammer is all, always like using some like bonding relationship bonding method to lure the uh, people to get into the trap. So just like, for example, I read something about like uh, two girls got into the trap because they make friends with people, um, maybe like online, and then they they were like getting through the scam is like losing one million dollar. So it is a huge like fortune I think for uh, young teenagers I think like 25 and 26 girls so actually do you think like actually now dating app is like very famous and popular right now so it is like one of the methods we need to like be very cautious to use about it I think both online and offline in real life um, you can't really trust anyone uh, on on the face of things, you know, you need to fully understand what's happening. But I, I, I still think that one of the biggest problems is almost every organization that I've come in contact with over the last 20, 30 years, they just don't take cybersecurity seriously at all. Mm. And I can't understand when a major corporation um, is, is shown absolute proof that they're vulnerable and they don't do anything. And the cost of doing something is, is next to nothing. I mean, it, it's really, you know, uh, talk about uh, an ounce of prevention. I mean, if they, if they actually secured themselves, they would prevent so much of this mess. Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's a pretty uh, disturbing situation. So as individuals, uh, what steps can we take to try and protect ourselves at least? Well, I think you really need to go in with your eyes open and assume that every sort of strange contact you get can be a scam and that includes if it appears to be from one of your friends um, in fact even if it's from their number it's worth calling them and, and checking because you know it, it's quite possible that somebody's uh, scammed their sim card and you know it appears to be from their number but it's not and so on um, there, there's a lot of technological ways that people can trick you but I think the the sort of key one is to make you feel that that is your friend or your family member. Um, and as we get into the world of AI and they can fake video and fake voices and so on mm. and get into what are called deep fakes, um, you know, mm. it, it's even more, un, you know, unsettling. But actually, like, just like what you say, we actually need to like, listen to our mom's word about like, oh, for example, like, don't trust anyone online or like, don't get easy to get into like any of the traps and also i think like because normally i receive the message in chan uh, not traditional like simplified cantonese uh, simplified chinese or like english so do you actually think there is like some certain target audience or like aim they want to get well i think that they're aiming at everybody and they're <laughs> trying to you know use whatever language or, or whichever channels uh, mm. will reach you in your case you know so um, they are trying to tailor this to to various people um, but once again I <clears throat> I just find that the the scary part is the hackers have so much information about us mm. um, you know on the one hand I see uh, lo lots of organizations being hacked and then 
um, the hackers are building an image of you on on the dark web, a bit like a traditional camera lens where you're turning it and it's going more and more into focus. You know, they have your banking records, your medical records, your children's records. Um, it, it, it's horrifying. But even in the case of medical and uh, in, in, in case of legal, you know, with lawyers and, and medical clinics and so on, I've, I've spoken with countless numbers of them who just mm. don't take this seriously. And I think uh, maybe in the end you have to have legislation where people, you know, if, if they have all their patient records or the lawyer, um, you know, just leaves themselves wide open and all, all your uh, litigation sort of is, is ruined because, uh, you know, the, the opposing counsel has everything. Um, if that happens, you know, maybe there should be serious consequences. Maybe that ultimately is the only way to get these people to move. Mm. Uh, Emil Chan, would you have uh, advice for our listeners about, uh, you know, what steps we can take to, you know, try to protect ourselves a bit better? There's no uh, quick fix. Uh, mm. I, I keep pushing, you know, you know that's an association called Hong Kong Road Safety Association, you know, to yeah. teach the youngsters. You know, when they were young, you know, in primary school, they, 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 uh, they were told, you know, how to cross the road, you know, mm. of property. Yeah. Ooh, we got to do the same left, now. right and left again uh, yeah <laughs> yeah so in uh, there should be a cyber security association or, or what show uh you know the, similarly uh we have to uh let the youngsters you know from primary school to understand uh, you know what uh what scamming what phishing you know how to deal with these uh, uh messages otherwise mm. uh you know uh we cannot just patch it up you know in such a way they they just the, the people uh, they used to deal with uh, the business uh, using uh, pen and paper cannot uh, make a proper decision, you know, on this cyber uh, uh, era. So that's the problem. So move on. Uh, education, you know, the, the younger, the better, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, are, are there any sort of uh, parts of the world, any 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 countries or, or regions uh, that we know where uh, a lot of this fraudulent acti- activity is uh, coming from? Well, uh, mm. we see we see this sort of activity coming from over 150 different countries, mm-hmm. so uh, it's coming from everywhere. Right. Right, right. And uh, we're talking about, like, organised crime networks. I mean, you mentioned the dark web several times. Uh, we're talking, we're talking organised crime work, or, 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 yeah, or are there indiv- ind- individuals doing this? Or? Uh, I, I think all of the above. Mm. And like I say, what, what's really frightening is we have hundreds of organisations in our lives where they demand that we enter all our data, you know, our birthday, our, our mother's maiden name, and you know, all this kind of stuff. And mm. then the very same sorts of organizations use those as data points to check that we're really the person. So, you know, it doesn't take a brain surgeon to work out how that goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, get in theory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they mm-hmm. grab your data, they then allow themselves to be hacked, and then you pay the consequence. I mean, that's just not right. Mm-hmm. Right, right. And, and in Europe, uh, these kind of uh, personal data uh, it's a very uh, 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 sensitive. So, if uh, an uh, organization uh, lost those data, you know, it was subject to up uh, to five percent, four percent to five percent of the revenue. Uh, you know, uh, as uh, you know, uh, as the uh, how to say the 
you know, the company has to be fined for that amount. And in China, the same. Uh, but uh, in Hong Kong, I think uh, we have to uh, add up and uh, introduce similar kind of uh, uh, regime or policy, uh, you know, to safeguard uh, the data uh, so that the company will listen to, uh, you know, what uh, Michael suggested. Actually, I think like dark web is a kind of like horrible place for me. But just to clarify about that, like, uh, is it easy for the people, like normal netizen, to reach there, or it is like of oh, the professional or like hackers or some there, other there, people? There are tools. There? The most famous of which is called Tor. Um, mm. there, there are tools for reaching the dark web, but mm. I wouldn't suggest people do it. It's a pretty unpleasant place. Um, yeah. there, there's, there's everything from sort of murder to you know oh, murder yeah. for hire and, and and all kinds of very unpleasant uh, red rooms and, mm. and things. There's drugs and armaments and all kinds of stuff for sale. I mean, it really is not a good place to be. And of course, once you access it, if you don't know what you're doing, mm. you could end up being targeted because you appear on the radar of these very criminals that you want to avoid. Mm. Oh, the IP, just like the IP address will expose and then like, get yeah, into the target. Yeah, you don't want to have your IP yeah. address on the <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Well, uh, well, well, thanks for all that uh, explanation and that, that, uh, that advice and, uh, and those warnings. And uh, obviously, we're going to follow this uh, uh, story very closely, this issue very closely, because it's bound to uh, develop. Uh, it's developing all the time. And thank you very much to our guests there, Michael Gaisley, Managing Director of Network Box, and Emil Chan, Chairman of the Association of Cloud and Mobile Computing Professionals and EMBA Adjunct Professor at the City University. Um, quick look uh, at the weather before we have uh, a news summary and a couple of announcements. Uh, it's going to be uh, hot with sunny periods. Um, light to moderate to south to south easterly winds. The outlook are hot with a few showers in the next couple of days. Currently 26 degrees, humidity 79%. <clears throat> New summary with Andrew Shirovsky. The main challenger in Turkey's presidential election has urged his supporters not to fall into despair after the first round gave a clear lead to the incumbent, Recep Tayyip Erdogan. Kemal Kilic Daraglu will take part in a runoff vote in two weeks. In a video address, he promised to fight to the end. A long-awaited report in the United States has concluded that the FBI began investigating Donald Trump's 2016 presidential election campaign without having any verified intelligence that he conspired with Russia. The findings were made by the special counsel, John Durham. Mr. Durham's findings are at odds with the previous inquiry that concluded that there was no evidence of political bias. And 11 Indonesian villagers who say soldiers contracted by ExxonMobil tortured and beat them. And they've reached a confidential financial settlement with the American oil giant. We'll have more news at 10 o'clock. Be a positive parent and nurture children in proper ways with a good attitude. Show more care and encouragement to your children to help them build confidence. Cultivate positive and optimistic attitudes. Appreciate your children's uniqueness. Unleash their potential to help facilitate children's all-round development and promote their physical and psychological well-being. Parental care and love help children grow up with confidence. It's time to carry out repair works for aging buildings. Operation Building Bright 2.0 offers financial assistance of up to $50,000 to owner-occupiers. 
The Fire Safety Improvement Work Subsidy Scheme also offers financial assistance up to 60% of construction and consultant fees to owners' corporations. Applications have started. Please submit applications online, by mail, or in person from now till the September 30th closing date. Call 3188-1188 for details. You're listening to Backchat. Call us on 233-88-266 and have your say. And welcome back to Backchat with uh, Car Hart and me, Jim Gould. And we're going to continue our discussion this morning about uh, cybersecurity and online fraud. And we have with us for this uh, part of, of the programme, Paul Young, who's an assistant, sorry, Senior Inspector of uh, Police at the Cybersecurity Division, uh, and that's the Cybersecurity and Technology Crime Bureau, and Julia Leung, a Senior Inspector with the Police Anti-Deception Coordination Centre with the uh, Commercial Crime Bureau. Uh, good morning to you both. Perhaps, uh, perhaps um, Julia Leung, we can come to you first. Uh, I know you've been doing a, a lot of publicity lately, but uh, would you just like to introduce the ADCC uh, to any of our listeners? who may not be aware of it? Sure. Um, yes, uh, for ADCC, the Hong Kong Police Force set up the Anti-Deception Coordination Centre, that is ADCC, in um, 2017, with a view to uh, co- uh, consolidating all the relevant efforts of the force in fighting and preventing scams. Well, in mm. brief, we monitor and analyze the uh, trend of deception cases, formulate strategic anti-scam publicity initiatives and campaigns to disem- uh, disseminate the most updated anti-scam information to the citizens. And through the uh, collaborations with banks and other enforcement agencies, we run the um, stop payment mechanism to intercept payments to the scammers. And um, uh, this year, in the first quarter, uh, ADCC intercepted like uh, 0.38 billion Hong Kong dollars of payments and prevent victims of over 220 deception cases. Mm. And most importantly, we also main an um, 24-hour in our operation center. Uh, apart from providing advices to police investigation units around the clock, we also provide uh, instant anti-scam telephone consultation services for the citizens through the anti-scam helpline 18222. Okay, okay. Um, uh, all right, let's hear from your colleague, uh, Senior Inspector Paul Young. Uh, good morning to you. Morning. So um, we've we've seen the latest uh, crime figures, and we know that there there has been quite a big increase in the number of uh, fraud cases, up about sixty five percent in the first three months of the year, compared with the same period last year. So, can you give us an update? What, what what's the latest uh, situation um, regarding scams, and what are the most common sort of scams that people are facing? Right. So, for the uh, latest scam situation in Hong Kong, like for Q one. We have, uh, uh, focusing on technology crime, we have 7,000-ish cases received, it, which is, uh, as you mentioned, nearly 60% increase. And uh, when compared to last year, which is about 4,500, 4,600 cases, something. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> the total loss this year uh, has increased uh, about 6, 6%, which is... Uh, uh, amounting to 803, uh, 830 million Hong Kong this year. So it's uh, quite uh, uh, a lot of money for, for, for the, the situation for this year. 
And the, uh, I think the most common, <coughs> most common scams uh, from our observation would be uh, the most prevalent one in Q1, I would say, is uh, remaining to be the e-shopping fraud, which is the people doing shoppings online unable to get their goods back, and which uh, follows by uh, phishing scams and then employment scams and uh, investment uh, scams. These are the major types of uh, prevailing online scams we, we observe in Q1 this year. Okay, so hi, uh, Julia and Paul. And actually, I want to go back to Julia first because, like, as you mentioned about the anti-scam hotline, uh, is like one eight two two two. So, what kind of information we need to offer, or we need to like tell the person who pick up the call and then to like report it? Um, basically, um, citizens who want to help, maybe they need help at a time when they receive uh, like deception calls or they have encountered some situations like uh, online scams. Basically, they just need to call the center and mm. tell them what's happened and let them know um, um, the situation. And the, uh, the people, uh, the person who are picking up the call will get some advices. So um, maybe like the payment method and uh, what, what they um, uh, can tell uh, the staff about uh, the sort of the, the uh, kind of crime they, they have encountered. But basically that is a um, consultation service. So oh. if, if really they have encountered a, a, you know, deception cases, they are recommended to um, directly report it to the um, police station so that they can receive um, the immediate help from our police officers. Okay, and um, Paul Young, uh, we, we mentioned there's been a, an increase in the number of uh, fake uh, recruitment messages. Uh, um, m many of us have received them. Many of our listeners, I'm sure, have uh, received them. Uh, uh, a lot of these coming on uh, WhatsApp. Uh, can you explain how this works and, and what we can do to protect ourselves? Right, so uh, basically the scammers, um, where they use uh, various instant messaging mobile apps like uh, WhatsApp or, or uh, SMS, to send out these fake messages claiming to have uh, some sort of a part-time job say yeah. uh, so you can work from home online promoters order handlers whatever and so on they come up all sorts of titles and then with the potential victims are actually respond or engage to these messages scammers will actually uh, invite them to uh, uh, hop onto a, a forced online sales platform which mm. looks really legitimate but actually is a, a completely fake one and then to persuade them to do some sort of a simple clicking task by just you know clicking on the on the product and then put them into the adding them into the shopping basket and that's it and they will be able to earn some sort of commissions and but uh, before they start doing that they have to uh, make a deposit so they mm. have to uh, top up in this particular uh, bank account which is provided by the scammers and then once they have um, top up their uh, shopping or work account, they can start doing this clicking task. And of course, for the first few times, uh, the victim will get a full refund of the deposit, how much they put in, uh, together with the commissions, as promised by the uh, by the uh, scammers. But uh, as time goes, and uh, the victim is, uh, well, they, they're going to get direct to purchase uh, some more expensive product. So at the beginning, they will be, let's say, purchasing something cost maybe a hundred dollars uh, or fifty dollars, and then as, go as time goes by they will be able to uh, purchase stuff like uh, 2,000 Hong Kongs or 3,000 Hong Kong dollars and so on, which means they have to, basically it's just uh, how, how the uh, scam is manipulating them. 
So by uh, giving them a more more extensive uh, products to purchase, they will have to put in a large amount of deposit in order to do this uh, simple clicking job. And but as uh, well, eventually when they completed um, all these so-called clicking tasks, of course when they want to get the uh, <coughs> large amount of deposit back with the with the uh, large amount of commission they have so happened to have earned. The uh, scam, of course, come up with all sorts of reasons, saying that, oh, yeah, they all make up reasons. They just say, like, oh, uh, you have to reach a certain amount of clickers before you can uh, get your money back, or you have to uh, make, uh, let's say, you have to reach uh, one million Hong Kong dollars of purchase before you can get your money back. But of course, these just like uh, fake excuses. And uh, so sometimes uh, the victim have some spare cash in their pocket. They will uh, put in more money. In, uh, well, in, in the thought that they can uh, get their money back. But of course, eventually, when they put in the extra money in, the scammers keep coming up with these fake excuses, like uh, you have to, uh, uh, let's say, uh, you have to put, give in some more uh, administrative fees and handling fees, whatever. Uh, eventually, they just disappear one day and become unreachable. And so that's how the, uh, the whole scam works, actually. Mm, just like recently, I really got uh, the message from a company, like a fake company, I assume, called ClickBank, uh, Click and they give me like so, an invitation to join their company, and then I, uh, they will offer a very high pay and easy work just by entering some data and something, and then I will get a very good money amount, like good amount of money per day. That this it was actually insane, but I actually like talk with them to know to see like what is going on. But I mean, yeah, and then I stopped it, and then I shared the information to my friends and family to tell them like, oh, it is actually a fraud. And actually, because recently I also got a lot of different messages um, from like I message different meth- different actually methods like a mm-hmm. lot of different kind of like for example simplify Chinese message or English message and then actually do you know do you know actually where is the like o- operation place? To occup, like operate this kind of like messenger to send out, or like, is it really in Europe, in mainland China, or anywhere? Uh, well, actually, from our observation, is uh, well, they actually operate globally, like everywhere from apart from Hong Kong. So they they, they always op- operate in overseas, but they, there's no a particular trend that we can say are oh, they they operate from uh, this region of the on earth or this that that region mm. uh we we cannot have some sort of conclusion like this given here mm. but uh, i think the um uh, as as you as you may know like or as you may notice that the uh, the use of ai is actually uh helping them a lot like the scammers a lot because for the translations as well as uh, compiling these sort of scripts or or you know, the, the use of AI is really helping them out. They, they can straighten out, uh, smoothing out everything, like translation as well as grammar, mm. the use of like local uh, dialects, etc. So it's actually getting more and more difficult for uh, for the public to uh, to separate uh, the true uh, um, message or from a, from a from a fake one. So it's, it's getting more and more difficult. That's all I can say. Okay, uh, uh, Julia Lung, you, your centre's uh, introduced this uh, uh, scam meter app. Can you uh, just tell us a bit more about how that works? Oh, I think scam meter is will go to Paul. So, uh, so, yeah. Uh, okay. Yes. Sure. Yeah. Paul. Yeah. All right. All right. 
Right, uh, so Scamit is basically a, a search engine where uh, the public can um, uh, key in some suspicious uh, ID, uh, I mean IDS, like uh, social media ID or phone numbers or email address, uh, URL, etc. to see if they are involved in some sort of uh, a fraud. So uh, it actually gives four different colors uh, in red, mm. which means the highest risk, and then orange, uh, a lesser risk, and then yellow and pe- uh, purple. Purple means there's no hit in our database. And that's all, that's all it is. It doesn't mean it's, it's completely safe. It just means that we don't have any uh, related uh, record. That's all. Mm-hmm. But, uh, uh, <coughs> so, but uh, in, in an effort to uh, improve the user accessibility and to um, make it more convenient for the public, we launched the, um, the app, app, mobile app version named the uh, Scameter Plus. Mm-hmm. Which is available on uh, Apple Apple Store or Google Play and Huawei uh, Apple uh, App Gallery, uh, mm-hmm. so they can um, we, we try to offer a greater convenience to our audience as well. And uh, basically, apart from uh, for the for the app version, apart from the uh, uh, the search you can do you can conduct, we also have some uh, new features, which is the like the uh, real time push notification. So we when whenever we have a new cyber crime related. Uh, tips we can uh, we will push it to our use uh, audience so they can know this uh, information uh, first instance oh, okay well we've heard about uh, uh, what to look out for how to protect ourselves <laughs> what what tips would you have uh, for any of our listeners if they think they've been the victim of, of a scamming uh, right so well first of all we always uh, uh, advise uh, the public not to uh, give out their sensitive information such as lock on login Password names or credit card information is uh, indiscriminate. Uh, <coughs> indiscriminate way, uh. But uh, we, if 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 they realise they have been scammed, really, we recommend them to uh, inform the bank at the earliest possible opportunities. And of course, they can uh, dial the one eight triple two hotline to uh, seek for uh, advice. And if for uh, really urgent, I, we, we will recommend them to uh, make a crime report to any police station or via the e-report centre. But uh, of course, if it's, it's uh, for the e-report, I have to uh, uh, remind our audience that uh, it is for non-emergency reports. So if for anything urgent, do dial the conventional 999 for assistance. Okay. All right. Well, thank you both uh, very much for speaking to us uh, on the programme this morning. That was Paul Young, Senior Inspector with the Police Cyber Security Division of the Cyber Security and Technology Crime Bureau, and Julia Leung, Senior Inspector with the Police Anti-Deception Coordination Centre at the Commercial Crime Bureau. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. Hi, I'm Secretary for Housing, Winnie Ho. Happy birthday to RTHK's 95th anniversary. 95 years of public service broadcasting. Stay tuned with Hong Kong. And for the last part uh, of this morning's programme, uh, we're going to be talking about something uh, completely different, and that is the, the safety of uh, skateboards. Um, this is after a survey by the Consumer Council uh, found uh, that uh, 75% of the 
skateboards it tested um, didn't come up to scratch. Uh, it said uh, it said that. Uh, uh, let me just check. Uh, it examined 16 safe boards, uh, skateboards um, on sale, and found that only four met uh, European safety standards. Um, to talk about this uh, now, we're joined uh, on the line by Warren Stewart, uh, head of the skateboarding subcommittee of the Federation of Roller Sports. So, good morning to you. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, we, we know skateboarding is a very popular activity, particularly among young people. Um, so it sounds a, a little bit concerning if, um, if the, you know, that many skateboards are, are, are substandard and, and perhaps uh, might even pose a danger. Um, um, yes. What, 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 what did you think when you read that? Well, uh, in a way, I, I was glad they did this sort of survey. Now, just a, a bit of background. Um, I've been skateboarding for over 30 years, and I've never used a skateboard that would break or substandard as uh, as uh, what the findings of the Consumer Council mentioned. Mm -hmm. Now, basically, this is the situation because skateboarding has become really popular, and you can basically find skateboards in a variety of stores, retail stores around Hong Kong and, and, and the world for that matter. So looking at the picture that they posted, they, 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 I assume they, they went out and procured a bunch of skateboards from different shops. So you have different sizes, plastic boards, wooden boards, big boards, small boards. But unfortunately, most of those boards are, are toys. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, some of those are just a piece of wood with uh, substandard trucks. The trucks are the undercarriage that holds the wheels. And in some worst cases, some of those wheels are actually made of plastic PVC. They don't they don't actually roll properly. So looking at their report, they did make they did make a few very valid comments. For example, uh, uh, mentioning about the boards, some of the boards they sampled didn't have grip tape. So that means when the user stands on top of of that piece of wood, it's slippery. So they should have some kind of like a, a grip tape, which is, is almost like a sandpaper material that that grips to your shoes. Second thing they mentioned is uh, something about the weight. There is no um, indication of what what the skateboard's loading capacity is. Now, I've never heard of this in my decades of skateboarding, because if you buy a good skateboard, it basically can withstand a lot of weight. Uh, as you can see uh, in the Olympic Games and competitions, people jump around on them. I'm almost uh, 80 kilos, uh, and I jump on a skateboard. It doesn't break. So the point here is if you go to a reputable skateboard shop, you'll probably be getting like good components, okay? So they mentioned something also about warning labels. Skateboards didn't come with warning labels. Now, uh, if you go to a reputable skate shop and just look at any skateboard deck, it, it's pretty much standard that there is a, a, a warning label sticker on the board. And it mentioned something on the lines of, you know, uh, skate safely, always wear, wear helmets and protection, avoid skating in traffic. And most importantly, um, I, I believe this is due to, you know, American law or litigation in the U.S. It mentioned something about skateboarding can be a hazardous activity and even cause death. So it's quite a stark warning label on the skateboard. So uh, in toy shops where you find skateboards, it's normally like cartoon or superhero characters on the boards, and it doesn't have any warning label. And it mm. doesn't mention 
you know, what is the loading capacity. So I'm sure if I go to a toy shop and buy a, a toy skateboard and I stomp on it, it will break because it's just not constructed for that purpose. Mm. So for me, the takeaway of this whole Consumer Council report is just a warning to the public. Being a parent myself, I am I am aware of sometimes of the, the uh, you know, the choices parents have to make. They're like, well, okay, my kid's into skateboarding. Maybe I'll get this cheaper one to see how it goes. If he's really into it, I'm going to spend more and get a proper one. But let's let's get this really cheap one first. Mm. Now, the danger for that is that, you know, the wheels aren't good, the trucks don't turn, uh, it doesn't have enough grip. You know, so there's all these... There's all these uh, compromises you make for safety when you buy an inferior board. Now, my recommendation to uh, parents and to uh, you know whoever's listening, if, if you're really into skateboarding, go to a, a reputable skate shop. There are plenty of them in Hong Kong now. Go in, talk to them, tell them what you're looking for. And even with the lowest budget skateboard that you can get, it's still guaranteed to be a much better quality than toys. Okay, and then of course, the, from from what I recall, the price range anywhere between five six hundred dollars for a complete skateboard, all the way up to about three thousand dollars and up, depending on the components that you use. Because uh, normally, when you go buy a skateboard, it, it's not a complete skateboard. Okay, they have budget boards that are completely assembled, but if you go to a skateboard shop. Everything, all the components are separate. The wheels, the trucks, the board, uh, you know, the, even to the type of grip tape, uh, the type of bearings. So it's up to the user. You can you can basically tailor make a skateboard to your own liking. Okay, uh, and you have to, you have to you. Assem yeah. assemble it yourself, you mean? Yes, yes. Oh, well, oh. no, the shop can assemble it for you. Oh. And that's the beauty of it because uh, touching on what uh, Consumer Council mentioned, uh, one of the most common mistakes I've seen in Hong Kong with children riding skateboards is that they're riding an adult-sized board. Mm. You must have a board that fits. It's just like with any other sport. If you're into, if you're into, uh, let's say, uh, tennis or something, they make, they, make, they make smaller sizes for younger kids, right, for the rackets. Mm. So same thing with skateboarding. Uh, the size of the child, the width, the stance of their feet, uh, all corresponds to the size of the board. So instead of just walking in and choosing a pretty graphic or a picture to buy a skateboard, you know, talk to the skate shops and say, okay, uh, I have like a seven-year-old or eight-year-old, you know, uh, what's good? You know, what's my budget? You know, uh, you know, uh, what's the benefit of different type of wheels? You got harder wheels, softer wheels, things like this. So uh, they would be able to advise you and, you know, recommend a proper board. Um, there's nothing wrong with going to a toy shop and buying a skateboard, but just be cautious on what type of board you're buying. Look at the components, look at the wheels, look at look at look at those recommendations that the consumer council mentioned, and then make your own judgment from there. Mm, thank you. Uh, so actually, we have a lot of like different elements we need to pay attention on before we get a like, profession professional and real skateboard for us to use like safely. And but actually, like for example, do you recommend like some? Beginners, if we like, are just like start starting to try the skateboard, and then we do we need to like actually attend some lessons or courses before we really like uh, doing it in a public park or like something? Yes, yes. Well, you know, in the old days, you know, it's uh, there wasn't there wasn't any courses; it didn't exist. But now, all around the world, Hong Kong included, there are various skateboarding uh, schools or coaches that offer you know, sort of uh, skateboard training. 
So the fundamental basic training of skateboarding is very, very simple, very straightforward. It's basically how to stand on the skateboard, how to navigate, how to push, how to stop. Mm. Now, I think one, one, one thing about this, I just uh, popped in my mind, uh, uh, the Consumer Council report mentioned something about braking. I'm not, I'm not quite sure braking. if I interpret that correctly. It's like braking on the bicycle or on the car. Skateboards have no brake. Oh. So when if you want to stop on the skateboard, you have to have a technique. You either slide your foot, or or, or you jump off, or you or, or you drag your foot, or you or you do a sliding, a kind of power slide movement. So perhaps perhaps uh, you know that that was kind of a bit out of context uh, in the Consumer Council report, and it also mentioned something about you know bolts and 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 sharp angles protruding from the skateboard now. I can I can see from the layperson's point of view that this may be a danger, but this is very common to have bolts protruding on the sides of the wheels of a skateboard. So I think uh, as long as the user is aware, and if they bail or fall on the skateboard, they as long as they know how to fall, they they avoid these sort of dangers on the board. Mm-hmm. Now, having mentioned falling, learning how to ride on the skateboard, the fundamental basics of about balance, push stopping also includes how to fall so like if a if a user wears the correct equipment helmet knee pads elbow pads and they they know how to fall properly then it's a very enjoyable sport there's a there's a there's a proper way to approach it without fear of getting injured okay Uh, just to recap then so um because the consumer council said there there's the models they looked at were valued between 80 dollars and Two thousand five hundred. I guess yeah. the eighty dollar range. That that must be like the toy skateboards you were talking about there. But, correct, but correct. so you see, you you said you can get a fairly decent one for five or six hundred. Well, yes, there's some mm. large sports stores. There's a large sport chain uh, in Hong Kong, a foreign one that sells pretty good quality skateboards from around four to five hundred dollars. Mm. And I've seen the top ones they're selling for about six to eight hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Now those are acceptable. Right. Now, if you go to a, a proper skateboard shop, they actually have the same range, but those boards would be, as mentioned, customizable. You can customize, you can assemble it to your liking. Mm-hmm. And of course, the very high-end skateboards, you know, like I think in the Consumer Council's report, they had a picture of some surf skates. So surf skates are skateboards that emulate surfing, the movement of surfing. Now, those boards uh, can, can reach over $3,000 because of... Uh, the very high quality components they use. You know, the quality of the board, the quality of the trucks and wheels and bearings, they all add up. So for beginners, I would say, you know, do a bit of shopping. You know, just bear in mind, like a good quality skateboard would would put, would put be around the range of $500 up to about 800 Okay, okay so that, that's, that's where you should be looking at. If it's anything below 100 or, you know, just like, you know the lower range price. Uh, expect those to be toys, and the warning sign would be uh, poor quality wood, plastic mm. wheels. Right. Okay. okay. Now skateboard okay. wheels are urethane. They're, right. they're actually not rubber, they're urethane, okay? Okay, oh, okay. all right, thanks. So I hope uh, our listeners will know what to look out if they're going uh, shopping for a skateboard. Uh, thanks very much for explaining all that. That was uh, Warren Stewart you heard from there, who's uh, head of the Skateboarding Subcommittee of the Federation of Roller Sports. Uh, uh, thanks to our listeners, thanks to uh, all of our guests this morning, and thank you very much to our guest presenter, Kaha. Thank you. And uh, stay with us, because right now we've got uh, the new summary coming up um, followed by the brunch with Noreen.